0: If you have your Bibles, open them up to Matthew 28, Matthew chapter 28, and I'm going to start off uh, by looking at verses 16 through 20, hallelujah, we want to welcome our online visitors who are watching around the world right now, so they can hear the word of God and be blessed, Amen. amen, what a blessing, hallelujah, so Matthew chapter 28, 16 through 20. That's what I want to start off with here. And it says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain, which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. There's always going to be some doubters in a group. (laughs) Amen. Don't be that one. (laughs) And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven, Now, this message, this came to me Thursday. It's it's been kind of stirring, but all of a sudden, just when I'm in the sanctuary, walking around praying in the Spirit, it will just... I always have my pen and paper and the Word of God open, and just all of a sudden, a title comes to me or points, and I just start writing them down, and this thing starts to come together. And this is what happened today. So the Holy Spirit gave me a very important message to share with you all today. Very important. Now, our life and walk on this earth as a Christian should be viewed as the most important thing on this earth. Uh, Can you agree with that? And because of that, it should be given the the utmost top priority. Amen? Now, Jesus commanded us to uh, to not just make believers. He commanded us to make what? Disciples. He didn't just say, go out and make believers, go out and have someone say the sinner's prayer, right? No, he said, make disciples. Say disciples. Now, listen to this statement. Are you ready for this? All Christians are believers, but not all Christians are disciples. There's something different in here. And this is what the Holy Spirit wanted me to bring up and teach on today. You see, the starting point for our salvation through Jesus Christ is, number one, we must believe, right? you got to believe and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Amen? But that is just the open door. That's like just step one step into the door. Guess what? There's many, many more levels to the Christian life. And we are expected to walk through and continue to grow in our Christian walk. Amen? Hebrews 6.1 is interesting. It's, it says, let us go on to perfection. Now, don't let that word perfection throw you off. That word perfection simply means this, maturity. Say Maturity. Let us go on to maturity. As time goes on after making Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of our life, we are expected to mature. Amen? Just like if you have a child, right? I mean, you're expecting them as they grow in age physically, right? You're expecting them physically and emotionally to grow, right? And if that's not happening, there's a problem. There's something not right. So what would you do if if you did have a child that wasn't maybe growing properly or something like that or, or maturing properly? What would you do as a parent? You'd probably take them to the doctor, right? Hey, doc, what's wrong? Let's run some tests. Let's see what's up. Well, there's a Holy Ghost test that Christians need to take. Of Why are we not maturing in our Christian walk with the Lord? Amen? So if we're not maturing, there's some kind of a hindrance, there's some kind of a problem that needs to be dealt with in our life. All right, you agree with that? All right, so there is, you've got to know this, there is constant movement in the Christian walk. Notice it is the Christian walk. Now, you're either moving forward with God or you're moving back. There's no standing still in the Christian life. You're either moving forward with Him or you're backsliding, moving back, right? So... We are expected to grow in our Christian walk with our heavenly Father. Amen. Amen. Um, it should be really when you when you get born again, that should be the starting point of a nonstop pursuit. Of seeking him more and more, getting to know him more and more. And, and I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, just like a husband and wife, you get married, right? In your marriage, you grow with each other, you get to know each other. You start to know what she likes and what she doesn't like, right? Come on, the same is true with any relationship, and you can even connect that in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. See, We need to encounter His glorious glorious presence every day. When you pray, when you read the Word, whether you know it or not, you're experiencing His presence. And the Word says that we are changed from glory to glory. From glory to glory. In other words, every encounter with Him, anytime you start talking to Him, anytime you start reading the Word of God, what a glorious thing, you're encountering His presence. And whether you know it or not, there's little changes that start to happen. Now, there's sometimes you'll have an encounter with the Lord and it is a huge change in your life. Amen. Now, the first huge change should have been your born again experience, right? All things have become new, right? So that's telling me if all things have become new, there's some things from the old life I better not bring into my Christian walk with the Lord. Amen. So the message, I say all that to say this. The title of my message today is this. Moving from believer to disciple. Moving from believer to disciple. All right. Everybody got their bathing suit down? Ready to jump in the river here? You ready? Here we go. So what does it mean to be a disciple? of the lord jesus christ what are the characteristics of that what does that even look like right i mean we hear about oh yeah we're the disciples and we got to be disciples and uh right so some people that just kind of goes over their head well that's why i'm here i want to break it down let's make it really i I don't know about you but i'm the kind of person i like to break things down and make it really easy right we don't we don't have to the, the gospel really is simple the gospel is simple now here we go ready if you're taking notes the definition of the word disciple is a follower or, I love this one, this sums it up, a student of a teacher or a leader. A disciple is a student, all right? And the root word of disciple is discipline. And you've heard me say it a lot if you've been coming to Living Waters for the last few months, right? That it, a disciple literally means a disciplined one. You have discipline in your Christian walk with the Lord, right? We are expected to be disciplined ones, right? We are expected to be students of the Word of God, students of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? So I want to point something out here from Matthew 28, 19, which we read. It said, Jesus said this. He said, we are commanded. Now get this. This might set a lot of you free. Okay, this might set a lot of you free. When I read it in the past, it set me free. All right, here we go. Ready? Jesus commanded us to make disciples. Say make. Okay, so the word make implies a process. Guess what? When you first got born again, you're not expected to know everything right off the bat. Does that set someone free in here today? You're not expected to know everything when you first come to Christ. Amen? I don't know about you, but that kind of lifted kind of a weight, right? Like how much is expected, right? But we are expected to change. It is a process. We are to cooperate in the process with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is always trying to get us into that. He's always trying to disciple us. The question is, "Are you a good student? Come on, somebody so make implies a process, so I want to share here i want I want to share and highlight some keys in that process will, that will help us move from a, a believe just a believer to a disciple. Now, the reason I say it 's a process because when someone first gets born again, you know every you know some Christians look at them and think, "Oh, they should know everything there needs to know you know oh what this this new Christian's doing this or that. Guess what? I've talked to new Christians, and there's some things they were doing, and and I would just kind of mention, you know, the Bible says blah, 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 and they're like, I never knew it said that. Are you following me? You guys, we, we need to have a little grace with these immature baby Christians. Are you hearing me, somebody? We got to have some grace and recognize that we are to make disciples. There's a process. Amen. That's why there's no dumb questions when it comes to the Christian walk. I don't care. You ask. All right. There is say, say this. There are no dumb questions in the Christian walk. Come on. There are no dumb Christian. Now, now, I found this little thing out, though, that once you know about something, now you're accountable. Are you following me? We'll talk about that more in a moment. But here we go. The difference between a believer and a disciple. The first step in moving from just a believer to a disciple of Jesus Christ is having a greater level of commitment to Him and to His kingdom on this earth. There is a greater level of commitment. This is huge. A disciple has that greater level of a commitment. They begin to take charge and responsibility for their own life, all right. So look at it this way. Yeah, you're a student, okay, but but you're not a kindergartner. Are you hearing me, somebody? When you come into the Christian life, you made the decision all on your own. But let's kind of view this as now. You know, you're more of a student, like a let's call it a college student. Why? Because mommy and daddy aren't there anymore to say go brush your teeth. Mommy and daddy isn't there anymore to say you better read your Bible. Mommy and daddy aren't there anymore to say, get dressed, you're going to church. Oh, come on, somebody. Woo. All right, let that just kind of soak in a little bit. See, they take responsibility and charge for their own life. Students, I'm t- calling all of you students today and you watching online right now. Students, let me introduce you. To your textbook. Are you following me? Let me introduce... You know, when you when you take a class or something in college or even in high school, right? What's the first thing that happens on the first day? They show you... They give you your textbook and they tell you what they expect, right? So the Word of God is our textbook as students. say Say this. Say, I am a student. In fact, listen to this. It is impossible to know Jesus. It's impossible to truly know the heart of God and to know his commands apart from your textbook, the word of God. The first thing that happened when I first got born again, you see, I grew up in church all my life. Let me just camp out here a minute. I grew up in church all my life, all right? And I went to church and I went and I fell asleep. It was boring to me. I was not saved for 20 years in the church I grew up with, right? I just thought, ah, just hang on mom and dad's strings. Well, I go to the building, I punch the clock. I'm good, right? Wrong. Thank God I didn't take my last breath before 20 years old because I would have been going to the pits of hell. I wasn't living for God. I was doing my own thing. But I was going to church. You can go, oh, think about the ultimate deception there. You can go to church and still not be the church. So I went to church 20 years of my life. But it didn't, I didn't make Jesus Lord of my life until about 20 years old. And it changed my life. And the first thing that impacted me, the first thing the Holy Spirit just gripped my heart with was the importance of the Bible. The that the see, I always thought when I was going to church 20 years, I just thought, ah, the Bible's boring. It's just a book, right? Wrong. It's the word of the living God. This is a message from our Creator. Come on, somebody. This is exciting stuff here. So here's the thing. So if you say you're born again, but you don't, you know, the Word of God that's ah, just a book. I don't know. Uh, you're deceived. If you're truly touched by the Holy Ghost, you're going to recognize the power of the Word of God and the importance of it in your life. Amen? And that is why there is a great falling away taking place in the body of Christ. People think that they can have relationship with God apart from the textbook, from the Word of God. Well, again, I said the Word of God is the only thing that reveals the heart of God. You can't know Him apart from the Word of God. It all begins and starts and continues and ends with the Word of God, the Bible. Amen. So the Word of God warns us not to uh, make or to believe in another Jesus. Galatians talks about that, about making another Jesus. Uh, We need to take that warning seriously, right? The, the true Jesus is only revealed in the word of the living God. The word of God is the very foundation of our faith. And without filling yourself with the word of God, there is no faith. It's just your opinion. Are you following me? It's just your opinion. The whole basis of our faith and what we believe, the power behind our faith is the word of the living God. So I hope I ingrained that in you today, that the Word of God is powerful. The Word of God is your textbook. You cannot be a student of the Lord without your textbook and studying your textbook. Amen? Amen. If you will uh, study the lives of powerful men, powerful women of God, who did? Who walked in the power of God, miracles, signs, and wonders, you will notice there is a common thread through all of them. And it was this. They regarded the Word of God as the Word of God and not just a book. They built their life on the Word of God. They lived by the Word of God. It was in high regard in their life. You will notice that common thread through every revivalist, through every powerful minister that has ever walked the face of this earth. Listen to this. The heart of God is written on the pages of the Word of God. The Word of God reveals the heart of God. Mm, Think about that. The Word of God reveals the heart of God, just like the words that I speak. I wrote a book. What I put on there, the the words that I speak, the words in my book reveal my heart. So the same is true with God. The words that he had man write down in this book, they are his words. They are his heart. The word of God, I love this, reveals his heartbeat. Listen to this. The word of God is the EKG of the heart of God. If you want your heart to be in sync, come on, somebody, if you want your heart to be in sync with, the, with the, your heavenly father, you can only get that from the word of God. As you read it more, you'll just notice things are lining up. You're, you're starting to see people, you're starting to see situations the way that he views them, not from your flesh anymore. It will protect you from offense. It will protect you from bitterness. It will protect you from all the junk the enemy wants to bring into your life. The more you read and feed, say read and feed. Don't just read it, feed on it. The more you read and feed on the Word of God, you will begin to synchronize your heart with Him. You will begin to feel those, I'm telling you right now, you will. You'll begin to feel the same way He does. Go to Hebrews 4.12. Hebrews 4.12. Let me show you something here. Popular passage here. But I want to break it down a little bit to show you the the importance of it. As a student, a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Hebrews 4.12 says this. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. See, the word of God, it says, is living. It's powerful or full of power and sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, those characteristics, by the way, are a spiritual reality. This is not, again, we're not just playing Sunday go to church here. This is spiritual reality. In fact, this is how the enemy, demonic spirits, the kingdom of darkness, even see that book in the words written in it. Are you following me? Now, that's powerful. Now, if the enemy regards it as such high esteem, we better do it as well as disciples and students of the Lord. Amen. Now I want you to think of the word of God, like a vitamin or a probiotic. You ready for this for all you health people? We all should be, but you know what I'm saying, right? A vitamin does you no good unless you swallow it and then it dissolves and you digest it. And then it benefits your physical body. Are you following me? In the same way, the word of God does you no good unless you allow it. Come on, here we go. You ready for this? Unless you allow it into your eye gate or your ear gate. Those are the ways to your heart. So it gets into the heart through those two gates. It must get into your heart to work properly. Once the word of God gets into your heart, it begins to digest. Come on and then becomes a blessing to your spirit, soul, and even your physical body, Proverbs 4.23 talks about. Amen. That the Word of God is life and health to all your flesh. Like a probiotic, the Holy Spirit was really showing me this when I was writing this, so bear with me here. Like a probiotic, the Word of God is alive. It begins to move and work in areas of your life that needs to be corrected. The Word of God, once it gets in your heart, it starts to kind of move and search around. It's like, oh, oh, wow, okay, so I see this dark room in your heart. Guess what? I'm going to go in there. It's like a probiotic. It starts to move and work and goes to those areas. It cuts right to your heart. Are you following me? And it's also powerful. The power, the supernatural power that the Word of God contains causes change to take place in your spirit, soul, and body. And then it says this. Come on, we don't stop there. That'd be good if that was it, right? No, 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 no. It also is sharper than any two-edged sword. It begins to separate that which is of the soul and that which is of the spirit. It cuts away, if you will, the fat from the meat. Now, here's what I want to point out about this. Because of that fact that it separates soul and the flesh from the things of God in your life. Are you ready for this? It sharpens our discernment. Are you following me? The more you read and feed on the word of God, your discernment will get sharper. I guarantee you, you start getting into the word, someone comes to you and tells you something or or wants you to get involved with something, immediately, I guarantee you, you're going to have a, "Mm, that don't feel right. That don't feel, why? Because you've been synchronizing your heartbeat with God's heartbeat. And when something ain't right, you'll know it. You'll feel it on the inside. You'll feel that lack of peace. Go with that lack of peace. You wouldn't know how many times, that I've talked to people who got into horrible situations and they said, you know, I don't know why I did it. I did not have peace about it, but I did it anyway. Obey that peace. Let the peace of God, as Philippians says, be the umpire that says either safe or you're out of there. Are you following me? Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, we got this probiotic going through you, and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two edged sword. Amen? A disciple of Jesus Christ then will value the Word of God in, your, in their life and they will live by it. They will allow the Word of God to create the boundaries in their life. Now, go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let's show you some more here about the Word. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I want to start off with um, verses 10 through 15 here. Hallelujah. The, you, you cannot overemphasize the Word of God, the Bible, enough. You can never overdose on the Word of God as a Christian. Amen? Amen? Second Timothy 3, 10 through 15, it says this, "...but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love... Perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, and at Iconium, in Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Isn't that beautiful? Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able, (laughs) which are able, come on, to make you wise for salvation through the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Man, sometimes when I read the Word, it's just so rich, I just want to camp out on that one verse or phrase. Listen to me. Here we go. You ready for this? The Apostle Paul took Timothy under his wing to disciple him as a young minister. That's what was being written here. But these instructions apply to every Christian. Why? Because it's in the Word of God. If it's in the Word of God, guess what? It applies to all of us. Say this. Say, it applies to me. It It does. Here we go. Paul said that Timothy followed him now, this—if you want to write this down, remember, remember, Timothy was a disciple. He was a, the apostle Paul was discipling Timothy. So these points that he gave shows that these are all points the Holy Spirit thought that were crucial to disciple someone. Here they are: in doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long suffering, love perseverance, persecutions, and afflictions. All of those are points to sharpen us up as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what? In your spare time, in in your Bible study, do a study on all those things. If you sharpen up on those points that that Paul (laughs) discipled Timothy on, these are points about making a disciple. Isn't that powerful? So verse 12, listen to this says that all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Did you follow that? Verse 12 said that. That all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Just like any other promise in the word of God, this is a promise. Now, it might not be a promise that you're going to jump up and down and shout about, but it is a promise. Now, if this is true, then the opposite is true. You ready for this? If you are not living godly, you will not suffer persecution. Oh, did you follow that? Whew. I, You know, the Bible has as much to say of what it does say as what it doesn't say. When you look at it, when you flip it around like that. If you want, don't want persecution of your life, just go ahead and live life like the world. Go talk like the world. Go act like the world. Guess what? The world will love you. Are you following me? Jesus said. Jesus said the world hates me. It hates you because it hated me. Amen? A true disciple... Let's talk about this for a moment. A true disciple will have a very strong conviction in their heart to stand for the truth and even willing to suffer persecution for it. They don't follow the crowd. A true disciple will not follow the the crowd, the popular crowd on these things in a worldly sense I'm talking about. They will see the, the true value of righteousness of holiness, and walking in obedience to the Word of God. Amen? And they understand that this world, here's where a believer, a new believer, an immature believer, and a disciple, this is a big thing, commitment, they understand that the world has nothing to offer them that compares to their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. A disciple has an eternal perspective on life. If you're not willing to suffer persecution for your faith in Jesus Christ, you have not even entered the doorway of being a disciple in that classroom yet. Are you following me? I know. This is a tough message, right? But this is what you're paying me for. (laughs) Can you believe this? I'm actually getting paid to talk like this. Isn't this crazy? Why don't I just water it down, right? No? You don't want me to water it down? No. I remember someone in the interview process said, you're not this seeker-sensitive thing, right? I said, nope, not me. You got the right guy here, people. Glory to God. Amen? I will not water down the gospel of Jesus Christ. I do you no favors if I water it down. I want, I want the full word of God so you can never come back to me on judgment day and say, Pastor James, never you never told us that. See, so many people fall away from Christ. They they get saved. They say the sinner's prayer, right? They they say a sinner's prayer. And then the first time that persecution comes to them, they say, well, I'm out of here. (laughs) See ya. Because nobody told them that there's going to be persecution for your faith in Christ. I rather... See, the way that you get people is the way you got to keep them. Listen, if I watered down this message... Yeah, yeah, we could probably fill this church a lot quicker, right? Right? But here's what happens. When the Holy Spirit starts to knock on my heart and say, James, (laughs) you're watering this thing down. you got to speak the truth. Guess what happens? I come up here and I start preaching the Word of God, the strong Word of God. Guess what all those people who came in from a seeker-sensitive message, they're going to say, well, James is losing it. See, I'm out of here. Right? The way you get them. Someone taught me this. The way you get them is the way you keep them. And i rather keep people with the true word of God. Amen? Amen. John fifteen 18. Let's take a look at this. <coughs> by the way, we will fill this church. Don't worry about it. It's going to happen. John, but it's going to be by the spirit of the living God, not by what man's doing. Amen? Amen. John 15. Whoo, glory. John fifteen eighteen through 23. Here's Jesus' words because they're in red, right? If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet, because you were not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Wow, Jesus is really dropping some truth here, right? Remember the word, remember the word that I said unto you a servant is not greater than his master if they persecuted me they will also persecute you if they kept my word they will keep your word they will keep yours also but all these things they will do to you for my name's sake because they do not know him who sent me if i had if if i had not come and spoken to them they would have had no sin but now they have no excuse for their sin he who hates me hates my father also. Let's break this down a little bit. You ready? Jesus said if they persecuted him, they would persecute you for your faith. Listen, he said a servant is not greater than their master. This is why the secret sensitive message is so unbelievably unbiblical. You ready for this? We have many believers out there trying to prove that they can be greater than the master Jesus. Jesus said, if if they persecuted me, sorry, pal, they're going to persecute you. They're going to do it. Are you following me? A disciple recognizes that they are an ambassador, a representative for Christ. That they they recognize this, that they're not permitted to tweak or to change the message for acceptance. We are expected to speak his message. That's what an ambassador does. You look at an ambassador who's sent from the United States to another country. If that ambassador goes rogue in trying to just promote his things, right? You know, like Biden trying to get money from the Ukrainians and all that. But you, you know what I am talking about, right? Just for an example, right? They start they they don't represent the one who sent them. The only way you represent the one who sent them is to speak their message and advance their agenda. Say, I'm going to advance Jesus' agenda. That's how you're going to stay a true ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Yes. So so here's what happens. So a lot of watering down happens in the body of Christ, and it's unfortunate. Um, like, like sometimes you have Christian leaders, uh, mus- Christian musicians who are very popular, They'll get on a TV show, you know, like a Larry King or, or maybe one a Christian uh, artist will, will go on Ellen, right? On, on Secular Channel. And so then these individuals bring up biblical topics. They say, well, do you believe homosexuality is wrong? Do you believe this is wrong? Do you believe that's wrong? And the person says, you know, I'm not the judge. Are you following me? I'm not the judge. Well, he's not asking you to be the judge. He wants to know what your Bible says. So what happens then? So you have immature Christians and you have the world watching these shows, right? And then these gullible, immature Christians start to say, oh, my favorite Christian musician, oh, my favorite minister thinks it's okay. Wow, it must be all right then, right? And that's how the great falling away starts in the body of Christ. It would have been better if they would have said, you know. In fact, you know, you kind of scratch your head. If it was a bold minister, would they have even been on the show? How did they even get on the show? I'm just dropping some truth bombs here, people. Are you following me? Yeah, I I find yeah, that I kind of find that when you see I don't know not always but but a lot of times more than that you'll see if there's a Christian musician who's who's with you know hooking up with all these worldly blah 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 you know secular shows and all that you start to think huh why are they liked so much by these people who hate Jesus you following me hmm well food for thought right. Guys, we are in the last days. A great falling away is taking place. And the only thing that's going to keep you from doing that is studying your textbook. The Word of the Living God. Here's a, so an accurate test for your commitment to Jesus Christ as a disciple is how does the world view you, right? Right? What's your relationship like to those in the world? I'm talking about in connection to faith. I'm not not talking about being a jerk to people or arrogant or prideful. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about, is your faith so strong for the Lord Jesus Christ that you're willing to stand up and say, I'm not going to go the way of the world? Are you following me? What's your relationship like in connection uh, with your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? So we're called to walk in love. But here's the deal. You ready for this? This is where many miss it too. Walking in love does not include compromising your faith and godly standards to get along with them. Right? It just doesn't. Okay? I mean, I know it's tight, but it's right. Right? All right? So I'm talking about, this is all in connection to taking persecution for standing up for the righteous standards in the Word of God, you know, with a pure heart pure motives. You're not we're not out trying to make enemies, but just know it's going to happen. If you're truly Jesus said it. Jesus said it, right? I think Jesus kind of had knows a thing or two about what's going on. Don't, don't you think? I mean, I'd probably, you know, if I, had, if I if I was a betting man, I'd probably go with Jesus on that one, right? All right. So, but you know, we we walk in love, but when push comes to shove, if someone comes up to you, right some in the world say what do you what's your views on homosexuality it's, you know what do you believe are you going to cower back or are you going to say well you know the bible says this and and i just that's what i believe jesus is my lord you know and and here's the thing some people no matter how nice you say something they're going to hate you for one simple fact your belief in jesus christ you can sweet talk them all you want, right? They'll be nice to your face and you walk away and they're going to talk trash about you. Are you following me, somebody? It's not worth compromising your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. A disciple is not willing to sacrifice their crown for a crowd. All right? Many Christians, uh, many Christians I found this out a lot. Many Christians are concerned about being too radical for Jesus. Can you believe this? Some people have actually, in the past, uh, you know, uh, you, you know, when I pastored way back and I do life coaching and all that, and, and people will say, well, you know, I don't want to be too radical for Jesus. I said, you better not be worried about being too radical for Jesus. You better be concerned about being too worldly against Jesus. <laughs> you can never be too radical for Jesus. Let's face it. That's why we're here on this earth. That's why we're here. We're here, to we are saved, right? And we're here to pull others out of the pit. In fact, this is called a pulpit. You know why they call it that? Because you're preaching and you're trying to pull people out of the pit with preaching. Because God said it's the foolishness of preaching that people are going to get saved. Think about it. The world looks at it and thinks we're foolish. But you know what? When the anointing is on the words, people get saved. I'm telling you right now. They get, they get, their heart gets gripped. Amen? So Jesus warns us about persecution. Go with me to John 16. John 16. I'm doing pretty good on time. Uh, John 16, verses 1 through 4. Let's take a look at that real quick before we, I move on to my final point that's going to just drive this thing home. Hallelujah. I'm talking about a disciple has a a new level of commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ and to the kingdom of God and to the word of the living God. John 16, 1-4. Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble, that they will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think he offers God's service. Wow. Guys, I'm telling you, we are entering that time of the end time. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things I have told you that when, they, when the time comes, you may remember that I told you them. So Jesus warned us. When Jesus gives a warning, I don't know about you, but I'm like, well, it must be pretty important if Jesus is warning us. He warned us about this persecution for one reason, people. Are you ready for this? So that our faith, we would not stumble in our faith when these things happen. So we are expected when these things happen not to stumble. Are you following me? Do you catch that? He told us, I'm telling you this now. So when this thing happens, you're not saying, God, why is this happening? You're going to look up and say, wow, Jesus, you said this. What's going to happen? Okay, so now when this happens, I'm faced with a choice. Do I renounce Christ or do I stay strong in my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm telling you right now, it's that choice that has eternal consequences attached to it. We are in the last days, people. We are. So you just need to right now be ready right up here. Start to get strong in your thought life now that if it happens, someone comes up to you and says, renounce Christ. You say, I will not do it. Because I'm telling you right now, I know this is not in a, this is not a popular message, but I'm telling you, we better be strong. We better we better we better start going from a believer into the disciple side of it. Amen. A disciple is not moved by persecution because the truth of God's word is burned so deep in their heart. The conviction, the faith, will not let them retreat. It will not let them back down. The, the Apostle Paul understood this truth and he lived it. Quickly go with me to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. I love what the Apostle Paul says here. Under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Uh, Acts chapter 20, verses 22 through 24. You can't talk about being a disciple without talking about persecution for being a follower for Jesus Christ. You just can't do it. I mean, you could, but then I'm watering it down. We don't want to do that, right? All right? Look at this, verse 22 through 24. "'And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem.'" Uh, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. Well, most people would say, if someone prophesied that to you, most people would say, that's not God. Are you following me? Although this was. The the Holy Spirit said, when you go into these other cities to the Apostle Paul, he said, there's going to be tribulations, okay? He's trying to prepare, prepare Paul for this. And then it says, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. I love that. Even though the Holy Spirit saying, Paul, listen, there's some, there's some tough times ahead for your faith. Paul said, you know what? None of these things move me. None of these things are going to move me out of the will of God because I am a disciple, a follower, a student for the Lord Jesus Christ. A disciple continues in the things which they learned and been assured of in the Word of God. They understand the Word of God is just as sure as if Jesus Christ Himself was standing right here teaching these things. That's what it is. The Word of God is that sure, as if Jesus was right here speaking to you those words. Now, go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. I want to show you a couple verses there. 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'm filling you guys so much with the Word of God, man. When you open your mouth, these Scriptures are going to flood out. Come on, somebody. All right, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. Remember, you can never have too much of the Word of God. You can't overdose on the Word. Amen? Here we go. 2 Timothy 3, 16-17. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man or the woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Word of God, I love it, is profitable. It's beneficial to us for doctrine, reproof, correction, for instruction in righteousness. Now, and it makes us as Christians complete, thoroughly equipped for every good word. So if that's true, let's look at it in the opposite direction again. It, the opposite is true apart from the word of god you will not be complete and you will not be thoroughly equipped for every good work you see this you just read it read it the other way it, it's really a cool study technique to use because it kind of it shows you a whole new perspective of a, a verse or a topic right so a true disciple will allow the word of god to correct any area of their life that is out of order from the will of god they're broken there's no pride They're humble. They're teachable. They're meek, as the word says. We got to be teachable if we're going to be students. Now, here we go. Listen to this. This is a a cool point. The very definition, remember, of the word disciple is a follower or a student. You remember that? A true student is teachable, or else you're not a student and therefore not a disciple. Okay? So you got to be teachable if you're going to be a disciple. Now, We don't have Jesus Christ in the flesh on this earth to teach us, but he did send the Holy Spirit to be our helper, right? To be our teacher. John chapter one, one says that Jesus is the word of God. Everything in the word of God points to Jesus Christ. Amen. But the author of the word, the author of the written word or the logos is who the Holy Spirit, right? Right. Man didn't write this book. The Holy Spirit simply used man to write his words down, right? So the Holy Spirit is our helper and teacher. Look at this, John chapter 14. John chapter 14, 15 through 18. Let me read this to you here real quick. And it says this, John fourteen fifteen through 18. If you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the father and he will give you another helper. That word another is, is literally means another of the same kind. See, there's two words in Greek for another. There's one, another of a different kind or another of the same kind. This is another of the same kind, the same Holy Ghost that Jesus had. That he may abide with you forever the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him or nor knows Him. But you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So Jesus sends us the Holy Spirit after He ascends back up into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father. Are you following me? You could say it this way. Jesus was saying this. Hey, disciples, hey, students, I'm going away. Here we go. But I'm sending another helper, a substitute, a substitute to take my place while I'm gone. It's the same Holy Spirit that anointed me. I will not leave you comfortless. I will not leave you as orphans. Listen, When here's what the Holy Spirit showed me. When a teacher is absent at school, high school, whatever, college, when a teacher is absent and sends a substitute or a replacement, the students, here it is, are expected to honor and show the same respect as if it was the regular teacher himself. Are you seeing where I'm going with this? Ah, listen, here we go. The Holy Spirit, we need to t- treat the Holy Spirit as if it was Jesus Christ Himself standing in front of us. It, here, and here's my point. It is impossible to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, a true disciple, if you reject the ministry of the Holy Spirit, which includes the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the spiritual gifts, everything associated with this dispensation of the Holy Ghost the book of Acts and beyond. Are you following me, somebody? Because those things are meant to profit the body of Christ and advance the kingdom of God on this earth. So if a person rejects the operation of the Holy Spirit, you are not a true disciple yet. You're more of a hindrance, knowingly or unknowingly. Are you following me? It's one thing, listen, it's one thing to to have a lack of knowledge about the gifts of the Spirit. Or, you know, someone who's never been taught these things. Right? You're following me. Say grace. we got to have grace on people. they got to be taught, right? But it's another thing to hear the truth and reject the truth. That, once you hear the truth, you're responsible for the truth. Oh, boy, it's getting quiet. Oh, oh, hold on. I just heard a pin drop in here. Let me pick that. Now, I'm not saying people who reject the, the Holy Spirit's you know, the Holy Spirit baptism. Well, I didn't say they're not saved. I didn't say they're going to hell. I didn't say that. What I'm saying is a true disciple will latch on to everything that this book talks about. That's all. See? And, and un- unfortunately, those people that reject the truth yeah, here's the thing. It's like people, you know, who, who, I don't know why they would say this, but some people say tongues are of the devil. Woo. Are you following me? That, that, that's a pretty heavy statement for someone to say, right? Let me say this. True spiritual unity among Christians is, can only be based on the word of God. Let me ask you this. Can I truly have... Sure, we can get along with other Christians. I'm not saying that. But can you really have true spiritual unity when someone thinks that the gifts are of the devil? Are you breathing out there? Now, hey, so here's the thing. The problem is this, is that... We've majored on getting people born again, which is great. Praise God, people are born again. And then we've left off a lot of the other stuff that are meant to advance the kingdom of God on this earth. Right? If these things were taught from the pulpit on every church, at every church, if these things were taught as the basic necessities of the Christian life, can you imagine how much more power? That the Church of Jesus Christ would walk in, Amen. Right. So again, I'm not I'm not cutting people down. I'm just saying I wouldn't be making statements (laughs) that tongues are of the devil or anything like that. Are you following me, somebody? So in John 15, 23, listen to this. Jesus said, he who hates me hates my father also. So I want to point this out. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they come as a package deal. Say package deal. So if someone says this, that they believe in God, but it's Jesus I have a problem with. How many would agree in here that they're they're not a Christian? Right? If someone says, yeah, I believe in God, but not Jesus. They're not a Christian, right? All right. So let's take it another step. Someone who says they love Jesus, but this Holy Spirit stuff is of the devil. Now, (laughs) oh my goodness. Oh, oh, hold on. I heard another pin drop. Listen, somebody. This is some powerful stuff here. I know it's not popular. I'm not trying to make enemies in the body of Christ. But doggone it, somebody's got to say it. Someone's got to say it. We need, you know, I mean, think about this. Jesus himself sent the Holy Spirit. It's like this. If, if I sent um, my son Matthew, okay, to go to Dave, to tell Dave something, to pass a message on, right? And so Matthew goes to Dave and Dave is just a big jerk to Matt. Dave's a jerk to my son. Do you think he's going to win any favor with me treating my son like that? Come on, somebody. Jesus is the one who sent the Holy Spirit. So when you're talking against the Holy Spirit, who are you really speaking against? Jesus. Amen? So that's why we need to constantly search our heart and make sure the needed corrections are made. We need to make sure what the Bible says that we need to make sure we are in the faith, okay? And so our heart, this is the last point I want to make and I'm out of here. But the heart is like a garden. Say garden. And we are the stewards of our own garden. We need to remove the thorns and the weeds that would choke out the real fruit in our lives. And those things in our life that are depleting uh, the nutrients. Quickly go to Luke chapter 8. That's my final verse, I promise. And uh, you can go have lunch. Okay, so... I love it. Don't worry, I sat in that side of the church before, I get it, I know. I just have a lot to say here, so, all right? Okay, so, uh, Luke 8, chapter 4, and I'll be done here once I just briefly talk about this. And when a great multitude had gathered, they said uh, they had come to him from every city. And he spoke a parable: A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on the rock, and as and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up, and it uh, with it and it choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried out. This is what Jesus yelled. He didn't just say it. He yelled. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then his disciples asked him, saying, what does this parable mean? I'm glad someone had common sense to ask Jesus that. And he said, to you has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God and to the rest it is given in parables that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed of the word of God, or the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who he, who hear when the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while, and in time of temptation fall away. There it is. Jeez, uh, preacher, you didn't tell me there was going to be persecution. They're out of here. If you don't prepare someone when they get saved, they're going to forsake Christ most likely. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who when they have heard, go out and are choked with the cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. I want you to notice about this parable that it was the person, each individual person made the choice on their own to determine the quality of the soil of their heart. You following me? Every example that Jesus gave was how the person responded to the seed of the Word of God. And the reason I say that is because many people read this and they, they think, oh, the soil was just what it was. The soil just, it can't be changed. It just was what it was. That isn't true. We know this because it says the thorns that came up and choked the fruit were cares, riches, and the pleasures of life were given more attention than the seed of God's word. And friend, that's a choice that we each have to make on our own. So we determine... We determine the soil, what our soil of our heart is like. There's nothing wrong with the seed. The seed is always powerful. The seed is always ready. But we determine the condition of our heart. Those people brought no maturity uh, in their heart and life, spiritual maturity. They were at the, again, the believer level. They never moved on to being a disciple. But the good ground, the disciples of Jesus Christ, they heard the word with a noble and good heart. They kept it and bore fruit with patience. What I found interesting is this. The word noble is defined as this, showing fine personal qualities or high moral principles and ideals. I want to tell you this. The moment you compromise your high moral principles from the Word of God is the moment the soil of your heart becomes hard. And the Word of God can't even bear fruit in your life. Never compromise. Listen to me. Never compromise the high moral principles that are in the Word of the living God. Amen? A disciple will keep the Word of God in their heart with patience because their faith causes them to see beyond circumstances. They know the seed is at work in their heart. They trust the process of the seed of the Word. So I want to end right here. We see two things that determines the quality of the soil of our heart. Your focus and your faithfulness or commitment to the Lord. That is your your faithfulness and focus or commitment to the Lord and to the Word of God. Church, it's time to move from just being a believer. Let's move to being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Let's stand up in this place. Thank you, Lord. I know that was a mouthful today. I get it. Oh, but my, 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 what a message we all needed to hear. Amen? Father God, I pray right now that the Word that was spoken, the seed would be planted in good soil of every person's heart in this place. And those watching online and listening online around the world, Father God, I pray right now that any area of our life that we need to change, Lord God, I pray that you would show us what needs to change and that you would empower us, equip us to make that change. Now, maybe there's someone in here you never made Jesus Lord of your life. Friend, I'm telling you, you're on borrowed time right now because you don't know if you were to take your last breath and drop dead right now. It's over. The one, Once you take your last breath, it's over. You must make Jesus Lord of your life now in this life. If you never made Jesus Lord of your life, meet me in this corner. After service, I want to pray with you. Now, maybe there's someone in here, you know, maybe you're the one, like I talked about, me, the first 20 years of my life, I was in a church. I heard the word every Sunday, but man, I was on my way to hell. Oh my goodness. You need to meet me in that corner over there. I want to make, I want to see you get born again. Someone in here. Now, maybe you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life and you've fallen away. If you've fallen away, today's the day to make a new commitment to him. Amen. If you want to rededicate your life, meet me in this corner. Maybe you've never received the Holy Spirit baptism. I, I don't know. Maybe we got someone in here who said speaking in tongues are of the devil. Maybe there's someone in here. You just, you, you've had kind of an enmity with the things of the Spirit of God. And God's saying, no, 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 you've got to correct that. Come on, it's time to correct that. If you've never accepted uh, and received the Holy Spirit baptism. And I'm going to say this. Let's stretch it to this. If you have spoken against the Holy Spirit, let's make it right today. I want to pray with you. Meet me in that corner. Now, maybe there's someone here you need a physical healing, emotional, whatever. Any other prayer for a family member, yourself, or anything else, meet me in this corner. And I want to pray with you. The rest of you, um, wow, Lord, I bless every person in this place right now. Lord, encamp them with your holy angels. Give them a wonderful and a great week. Let your presence be upon them in their vehicle, in their home, in their workplace, Lord. Lord, give us all strength to stand for you, to be true disciples for you, Lord Jesus. And everybody said? Tuesday night prayer call, 7 to 8. Wednesday night prayer right here in the sanctuary, 7 to 8. Have a great week. If you need me, you know where to find me. I love you all. Visitors, thanks so much for coming today. We'll see you next week.